This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. All right, welcome folks to the second hour of In the Locker Room. Wolf Starks and the Ninjas. And uh, we had a good first hour there. I appreciate Bruce Gradkowski coming on as he did, giving us some good stuff. But, Max, I got to tell you, as you look at this Denver defense, the guy that your eyes go back to and you can't help is Von Miller. I mean, now, Von Miller in, what, four games, he's got four and a half sacks. Uh, he's This guy is just uh, – he runs a, what, a pass rushing camp or summit, you call it, out there yeah, he in, had, in the he, West he, somewhere? He, he, so he has a pass rush summit. They usually do it, I think it's in Las Vegas, and they just bring in all the top pass rushers for like three days, and they all get together and they share moves. They talk about techniques, and they just constantly are working on their skill set. And they've been doing this, I want to say, I've heard about it for the last five years. Uh, huh. NFL Network's shown uh, some stuff from the summit, but talking with defensive guys, like, yeah, this is what they do. So when you lead a pass rush summit, you know, because this is Von Miller's baby, um, you should right. be one of the top guys leading the league, like having a sack a game. <laughs> and, 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 and it's proving to pay off. And you see the, the just kind of the emphasis of – how we've shifted our focus on what pass rushers can do um, in games and how they're affecting and how they're evolving as pass rushers. It's not it's not your day where, hey, it's just, hey, do I do a bull power? Do I do a bull shrug? Or do I, am I an arm over guy, long arm stab? Like now they're coming to the table with multiple pass rush moves that they're hitting right off the gates where they're trying to get you going one way, change the direction the other way. Either they give you the long arm stab, but then they're doing a, you know a, 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 a rip move underneath, or they're giving you a bull press and it's and it's it's a it's a it's a yank and release. So they're doing multiple things. So that's where, as an offensive lineman, you have to now try and combat not seeing just the first move, but know what their number two counter move is off of that primary. So it's getting guys thinking more from our position, where you have to be more alert because the first move, if it doesn't work they're getting into that second move. It's not like a one-and-done where you could just shut it down. Um, they ha- You have to be prepared for that first, second, and possibly a third move if they're really good, like a Von Miller. You know what's interesting is if you take a look at what the Ravens did, they went with a lot of 12 personnel, maybe even 13 or whatever, but what I remember yeah. was 12 or 21 personnel when they had uh, Patrick uh, Ricard, the big fullback, that they used. Yeah. You know, he's a 300-pound fullback. He's, he's like an <laughs> offensive guard in the backfield. But they'll use these guys to widen out and stretch the defense and put those outside linebackers out on an island almost because they've got to go, some cases, through a tight end. And then, you know, uh, maybe even a back on, on a release before they even get to the tackle. And that, that's probably, I'm wondering, if that's something that the Steelers might try to go and do. Because if you get that 3-4 personnel, you know, you can still use your people well enough to be able to, create more protection via putting more <laughs> bodies in front of Von Miller before he actually gets to the tackle. Well, and, and when you look at it, right, you're looking at it and you're saying, wait a second, okay, who's done it well? Well, Baltimore's done it well. They, they, they've scored 23 points on, on the Broncos. Nobody else has. Before that, the highest total was 13 points. So you're going to look at what Baltimore did, and obviously you don't have Lamar Jackson, right? Uh, right. You don't have that type of running game. But look at what they did in pass protection. You know, look at what how they utilized different personnel groupings and what gave 
uh, the Broncos defense fits. That's what you're looking for in this. So, like you said, having Patrick Ricard or having that t- that that tight end H back fullback type that's going to widen those outside backers and give them a chip or make them think twice about their rush and make them step laterally instead of going you know forward first gives the tackle the advantage to get in the right position to then be able to combat whatever pass rush that moves they're going to use. So I think those are things that you have to look at. You have to look at max protections um, in a couple of these instances where you can get the one-on-one versus some of the zone cover three, cover four stuff that they like to run. Right. Defense coverage, as we call it, right? Um, those are things that you have to look at and you have to be prepared for because you can't go five and four and five wides and expect, okay, we're just going to take their five best. No, that's not the way to do it. You need to have something that takes a little, as we say, take a little bit of the edge off, right? You know, <laughs> ah, feeling a little stealing. I need something heat. to take the edge off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, let's get so. to the preheat segment. Let's get to the preheat segment. Don't, don't give me full broiler mode. Um, but that's what you have to do. And I think that was one of the creative things that, you, that we saw in the game um, last week against, against the Ravens was, the Ravens made sure that they were they were tenderizing, slowing up the pass rush, even though it still got to them three times because Lamar wants to move. But that all also creates a better back end for them because they don't have to block as long. So you must do different things to prolong the rush that's coming at you. I think one of the scary things you look at as you watch them is the fact that Lamar Jackson, who is so elusive, who moves around the pocket and who runs the ball so very well, was still sacked three times and hit another eight times. You know, that's a lot of getting whacked. That's a lot of um, extra cheddar on the pile, you might say. When you when you think about his ability to run, I mean, it, that cat, he, I mean, he's just very, very good and elusive, and, and yet they were still able to put a lot of, of, you know, big hits on him. Yeah, and I think the other thing is you look at it, uh, the problem with being that elusive is you also right. tend to hold the ball longer. Sure. And – and when you have other athletic guys like Von Miller, right, you know, you have guys who can, who can rush after you. If Shelby Harris dumps a, a center in his lap and cuts off the lane of, of escapability, that's when you have issues. So I think when you're looking at Von Miller, Malik Reed coming off the edges, they're very athletic, highly fast. And then you have guys compressing the middle of that pocket to where he can't step out and, you know, up and in. Um, that also prevented – uh, Lamar Jackson from seeing things downfield and, and, and forced him to short arm a lot of throws. I mean, there, was, there was one to Hollywood Brown he was trying to throw that landed at least two yards in the dirt because he felt the pressure and then right. was like, uh-oh, and, and threw it short. Because that's one thing you never say. He has a strong arm for as elusive as he has, but he does tend to hold the ball a little bit longer than he should. And that also leads Lamar into, into problems as well. Whereas I think the Steelers, Ben's looking to get it out, so you could neutralize a lot of the pass rush by making quick decisions, but you need to also have the protection in place so you can get those one-on-one favorable coverages versus getting a lot of the zone stuff that Denver really feasts on. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how the Steelers really attack the Denver Broncos because on one hand you think uh, they're not going to get away from their 11 personnel too much. But at the same time, if you go with 12 and you create an opportunity to have Friermuth, to have, uh, you know, uh, the six twelve. Zach Gentry, you know, uh, being able to go out there on tight end delays, things of that nature, you know, it can add to your passing attack as well as your running game. Uh, Eric Ebron, if you're going to have him out there, you know, you, I would, 
if, if I was if I was the, the uh, you know Matt Cannon, I think I'd I just put uh, Ebron out there as a wide receiver. You know, I mean, <laughs> might as well take yeah. that size, that speed, and use flex it when out. he does best. Yeah, and flex him out more rather than you know putting him you know in blocking positions where uh, I'm sorry he just doesn't want to you know engage as much as say the other guys do. Yeah, he's not he's not as willing as a blocker. And that's not a bad thing, right? Because there's plenty right. of guys who who are great at what they do at the tight end position that just aren't good blockers. You know, you look at the Travis Kelseys of the world, right? Travis Kelsey is not a guy that you're like, "Oh my gosh, we're going to we're going to run counter at Travis every single time." We're oh no, we're <laughs> running outside zone and Travis is leading the way. You're not doing that because what does Travis make his hay on? Being an elite receiver and being a bigger right. body that's a smarter receiver to give a quarterback comfort, you know, not everybody can be George Kittle. Not everybody can be, you know, those type of guys. I mean, we've seen historically the Tony Gonzalez's, the Antonio Gates of the world. They didn't make their hay as blockers. Todd Heath, they didn't make them hay as blockers. And, you know, you don't get a Heath Miller every time that you draft him. And I think if you have guys who are that type of willing guy, put them in there, but let guys play to their strengths. Eric Ebron, he wants space. He wants to, he wants to give you a wiggle and get the big play uh, um, downfield. Give him those opportunities instead of having him in line. Line him up in the slot. Let him do some work. Pull a linebacker out where it's a mismatch. And now you have one less rusher because he's outside. You have to account for him. He, his safety's too short, and a linebacker's too slow. So give him those mismatches and opportunities to win. So you think maybe 13 personnel, just think about this, with one back, three tight ends, so folks know what I'm talking about. But if you would come out there with that personnel and then flex – Boy, I, I don't know. That would create one of those mismatches that you think, oh, I'd like to see something like that with an Ebron flexed out like that. Or even better, you come out in 13 personnel and you do a double flex. You double no, the, the double flex. Side. The double what flex. What about a most muscular? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Go, 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 hey, go, 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 go for the Apollo, right? You know, exactly. Yeah. The world, the Atlas. You know, um, but I think I think think about that. If you have your two slot guys being Fryermuth and Ebron, that's right. two linebackers that are out, or a linebacker safety combo out, and then you still have Gentry in there as a blocker. Like that's something that if I'm going to get into a six man pro, why not? And then Najee is either out there um, on one slot, and then you have Juju, Chase, Deontay, whoever you want to put in as a receiver. I mean, that, that, that's something that would be intriguing to see as opposed to just packing them in tight and trying to release them from the line of scrimmage and running, you know, a hide route or some shallow drag. Give them a deeper route pattern and see what they can do in the middle of the field to get the one-on-ones on the outside. I mean, they've got good corners. You know, we've already talked about yeah. Pat Sertain. Uh, and Kyle Fuller's a legitimate NFL corner. I mean, these guys can play. Yeah. They can cover. Um, the back end with Simmons and, and uh, Kareem Jackson, these guys are impressive. When they come up, they like to put the they like to snogulate you. You know, they want to put the, the yeah. crushing hit on you. They they're not afraid to come up and elkabong somebody. Yeah, and I think that's where you have to take them out of that uh, out of those options at times because of coverage responsibilities. When they don't have coverage responsibilities, or when everybody's packed in tight, now you get to muddy the waters, and then that allows them to use that football IQ to say, you know what, I think in this chance I can take a chance here. But in, if they're split out, I can't take that chance. I got to play safe, right? Because my job right. 
first and foremost is to cover, then to react. So if you're tightening everything in and giving them the two-way go where they can either decide to cover or rush, that's when you get into trouble. But if you spread them out and make them have to declare in those situations, now it's, mm, I can't take that chance as much. So I think that's where you kind of have to play with the personnel grouping and be able to do multiple things out of those personnel groupings. Hint, hint, if you had a no-huddle package where you could have 13 personnel and you could just <laughs> run on the field and change things up, that'd be great. That would be great. Right. Man. No, no, Bridget, <laughs> I'm serious. You know, yeah, yeah. with all the discussion that we've had about, you know, no-huddle and, and two-minute and everything else, um, I wonder, you know, now that you just kind of just threw it out there, I wonder if there's not been some action behind the scenes saying, okay, we've got a slate of stuff, and what we want to do is we want to hustle up so we keep everybody doing this, you know, uh, not change up formation. So it's like a, a no huddle or two-minute thing. And, you know, like formation one way, left and right, just as you were talking about earlier. But it would be fun to see. wouldn't see how they match up with, the you know, 12 or 13 personnel. It would be very interesting to me. Yeah, and, and you go on, and, and not to say that the no huddle needs to be t 12 plays, but if you come in and say, we're right. going to have this package group in for three plays, and we're going to do three different things off of it. We're going right. to do one where they actually line up tight, another one where we flex them out and see how they respond to it, and then one right. where we keep two in, flex one out, you know, and then do a motion. <clears throat> I mean, but if you do that and they can't substitute and they have to react with the current personnel grouping, that's where your mismatches come in. That's where your advantages come in in those situations. So that would be nice to see that autonomy from a quarterback to be able to just run with that grouping and feel good about it and see how the defense, how you can wear them out. You know what I love? You throw in some words like autonomy. You see, my mom, Hoopy, <laughs> is listening, and she said, that Max, he must have went to class, honey. <laughs> That's what she was saying to me. <laughs> 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 all right salads. that's a wrap <laughs> word salads man just throw that cheddar out there baby just let her rip yeah all right yeah okay we'll be back with more it's in the locker room it's wolf starks and the ninjas espn pittsburgh and steelers nation radio With Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. In the locker room, ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio, we're coming back with now the defensive, or I'm sorry, the offensive side of the ball for the Denver Broncos. And I'll tell you what, this is a, you know, first of all, let's just talk about Teddy Bridgewater because number one is. The guy's got tremendous courage. You watch him. I mean, he stands in the pocket there. Um, the the Ravens, they beat on him like a, you know, uh, you know, they just beat on him like a heavy bag. 
You know, I mean, it was just one of those things where yeah. they came through and, and that Oway guy, I mean, he had a clear run and he really dropped the hammer. I tell you, it was nothing bad, nothing ill intention. It's just NFL football. But you watch that and you sit there and think, okay, um, Teddy is, you know, here's the thing, I guess, Max, when I look at him, I always think of what they say, steady Teddy. And they give the idea that, well, he's just a game manager. He's just one of these guys that hands off a little play action. But, you know, he's very smart, very intelligent, throws the ball very well. He's, what, five touchdowns, zero interceptions. Uh, He's one of these guys that makes really good decisions and not putting the ball into harm's way at some point. Uh, I got a lot of respect for him, but I don't expect to see him this weekend. No, I don't expect to see him either. And let's face it, if if I'm the Steelers' defense, who do you want to see? A 72% passer or a 57% passer? Well, and let me that, let me do the math on this one, Max. Let me let me think about. It. Um, okay, <laughs> carry the one. No, let's let's go. We don't yeah. want to see the 72%. Yeah, and, and that's that's what Teddy Bridgewater's been. 72%. You said five touchdowns, 80 for 111. And he just continually makes good decisions. He's not, you know, he's not going to beat you crazy. I mean, probably about 223 passing yards a game. But he knows how he knows how to utilize the field. He sees it. He gets his team into first down situations. He keeps the ball moving. Whereas when you get with Drew Locke, right? Drew Locke hasn't thrown a lot. I mean, but the fact that you're still looking at him and you're like, you're 12 of 21, and you don't have a touchdown, and you've got nothing but an interception in the game last week. There's a reason why you brought Teddy Bridgewater in in the offseason and why you didn't hand the keys over to Drew Locke to lead this team is because he's younger. Bruce Gretkowski touched on this earlier that you want to see the younger guy who's trying to force things, who might not know what to do, whereas Teddy Teddy has been the leader of a, of a franchise, right? He's been the Minnesota Vikings quarterback. He's been the Carolina Panthers lead quarterback. He's relieved Drew Brees and won games in his absence – this guy has a resume, and yes, he might be considered a journeyman now, but whatever he does, he's the guy that you trust, and that security blanket at quarterback is what you want, whereas you don't have that. You have more of a wild card with Drew Locke. And, you know, there's really only three main receivers on this team. Noah Fant and Cam Sutton right. are, are tied for your lead, right, targets and receptions, and then you have Tim Patrick, and that's really your holy trinity of where you're looking at to go with the football Noah Fant controls the middle of the field, and then you let Tim Patrick and uh, Cam Sutton really work the edges on your corners. So pass rush is key in this because you don't want to get these guys um, into a system where he feels comfortable throwing to either either three of them. You've got to disrupt the kind of, kind of movement. And that, what that is, winning on first down in the rush plays because you got Javante Williams, you got Melvin Gordon in the backfield, and that's what they're going to lean on. You have to know that – Bringing Drew Locke in here, knowing you're going to a hostile away game in Heinz Field, pacify the crowd with the rushing attack. That's what the key mantra is for any quarterback that you don't feel comfortable with. Lean on the run. And Melvin Gordon, we talked about this throughout the week, and you mentioned it. He looks like the Melvin Gordon of old. He looks like the Chargers Melvin Gordon. He doesn't look like, oh, my gosh, I'm on my second team and I'm washed up Melvin Gordon. He's getting a lion's share of the carries. Javante Williams is, is your is your is your hammer guy in the end. And they're breaking through the middle of these defenses. I mean, you look at Melvin Gordon, he's got two hundred and forty eight yards. He's averaging four point nine a rush right now. That's halfway to your first down every time he touches the ball. So you've got to be in a position 
to stop Melvin, stop what they do well. This is a Mike Munchak offensive line, right? So they're going to know what to do and be in the right place for it. But you've got to, you've got to out-physical them, and you have to beat them to the point. And you have to neutralize that run game, get them in the second and third and long situation where Drew has to put that ball in the air, and he's going to try and throw it in tight windows. You know, one of the things that impressed me when you were talking about, of course, Melvin Gordon is just watching him. This guy could find a crack in a steel wall. I mean, you watch some of the times, as you talked about, they ran inside the tackles, you know, and he would squirt through there some of the smallest holes. Uh, he looks very comfortable, very very skilled in, in, in breaking through and doing what he does. And then you see uh, Javante Williams. My goodness, man, he dragged half the team. I mean, oh, it was gosh, uh, that was oh, that, that was unbelievable, was it not? I mean, guy after guy was hanging on him. He's dragging him like he's got a sled behind him, and he's working out. You know, I mean, that's impressive. When you have that much leg drive, that tells you something. There's, <laughs> there's something special about the cat when he can run through arm tackles, and then the guys that don't, that he doesn't manage to run through the arm tackles, he can drag like a sled behind him. Well, and that's why he was one of the top three running backs that was that was desired in this draft, right? You had Najee, Etienne, and Javante Williams. That was your three. They're like, oh, these guys can go in the first round or if not the top of the second. And there's a reason why Denver went and got him because they knew what he had possessed and what he did at Carolina. So you have both of those guys who are physical, can run between the tackles, but then have the power and the speed to finish through. I mean, it was literally, it was like he had an overflowing laundry basket and he was running and guys were falling off like, like laundry out of the basket. I mean, he was just like, I'm, I'm still going. It's not going to slow me down. And guys are just falling off. Um, and, and that's the thing. They have those explosive plays like that. Now, you look at the stats and you're like, oh, it wasn't that. But I'm like, dude, it doesn't matter. I'm like, they have those explosive plays. That puts you in a position to win. Now, short fields hurt them. And, of course, losing Teddy halfway through that game hurt them from a leadership standpoint but up until that point I mean this was a closer game than we thought and this was the first time you know that defense has surrendered over 20 because you, you you're turning on short fields that's what you can't do I mean look at what the Packers game was last week tight game but you get a couple of those fourth down conversions that don't go and you give the ball on the plus side of the field you put your defense in a bad situation to where they have to try and defend and that's what you're trying to create for our team trying to create the short field if you're in defense and you could do that with a drew lock um but you have to neutralize the run game first and foremost right and that starts with being up front being able to come off and dominate in the trenches and one of the things about is at the center um kush uh cushionberry cushionberry you know, i'm lloyd impressed with he's quick. <laughs> lloyd, lloyd is yeah. quick you know what he snaps that ball he gets one hand going and he stays low and he plays he plays very well I look at some of the other guys, though, like Garrett Bowles. He's had issues. You know, Munch has done some work with him. He's gotten better. Um, but none of these guys up front really make me go, well, you know, they work together as a group. You know, one of the things I think is a hallmark of a Munchak line is he develops guys that aren't so good to make them decent. He takes the decent guys and it makes them better. And he takes the really good guys and makes them the best they can be. That's one of the hallmarks, as I say, of, Munchak, and also the fact that uh, you watch a Munchak line. These guys, they stay uh, in a good position where they lock up and they keep their feet moving and they keep driving until you hear the whistle or the echo of the whistle, as it may be. But, you know, it's about staying in balance and staying on your feet and being able to maintain your leg drive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that, that is going to be, I think, I think key 
because balance, you've got to go attack the legs. And, you know, we, we had a couple of those where you saw it where, you know, our defensive line were making sure that they were tackling a single leg, right? Because if you go for the thighs, right, the thighs, you can bounce yep. off of those, right? Because the, the whole engine of the car that is the human body is between butt and thighs. That's what drives you and propels you forward. You have to either say, I need to go lower where the smaller muscles are in the lower body or attack just one of the two because if you if you tangle up one of those two, they can't pitter-patter, right? You can't get the one-two-one-two one, two to get the leg drive going. You stagnate one of those legs, and that makes it easier to take down. So when you're thinking about it, if you're not going to be able to hit him high and you don't want to hit him straight at the waist because you, you're fearful of, of the leg drive, go for one. And I saw that a couple of times in the Green Bay game, and it was effective. So that's how you have to attack it for guys who are powerful backs. Think about what A.J. Dillon was doing in the game, right? That was something oh, that no. slowed down A.J. Dillon at points was, was going for single-leg takedowns. Um, so I would like to see, you know, making sure that guys are staying on him. I don't want you aiming low and trying to do like a cut tackle, right? And a guy just like, like leaps over you or hurdles you really quickly. Go for the secure thing. Go knee, wrap, ankle takedown. Um, if you're going to do that. But preferably, just go across the waist and just deliver a devastating blow with your helmet. Uh, you know, across the bow and wrap and take the guy down. But if you have to, let's do that if, if you're fearful of that. Because Javante Williams, going high was not something. He just threw you on like a backpack going to school. Um, right. When, when, when they did that last week. Well, you take a look at some of the receivers. and I, this This would be a great basketball team if you just played the receivers. You look at them. I mean, Cortland Sutton, 6'4", 216, okay? You've got Tim Patrick, 6'4", 212. You've got the, the tight ends, no offense, 6'4", 250. Andrew Beck, 6'3", 255. You've got Albert Akwu, you whatever how you want to call that guy. All right, but he's 6'5", 260. Okay, Banam. Okay, Banam. Okay, Whatever you said, that's the guy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So you got him. He's he's 6'5, 260. And you got Eric Salbert, who's 6'5, 255. I mean, Gad Zooks, they these are big, big tight ends, wide receivers that are going to create havoc. And think about this. And what we got to talk about is I think in the last segment we come back with the injury report because you're talking about maybe no Cam Sutton, possibly. You know, you're talking about a couple other guys that, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, that's a tough matchup <laughs> for anybody. Yeah, it's going to be because, like you said, th there's only one David Moore on that roster. <laughs> the six right. footer. And, and he's yeah. four inches shorter than the next guy. So, yeah, you you know, you have to you have to be able to play big, play tall with these guys. And, you know, because you're going to see I, – I think you're going to see a lot of 50-50 balls. If the pressure's there like I think it's going to be, that's what you do. It, when in doubt – Throw it up in the air or throw it where only he can go get it. And that's the rapport you have to have with your receivers. But at the same time, if the pass rush is there, it doesn't matter what you do, how big the guy is. Because if the ball floats in the air, you see that wounded duck in there like duck hunt? Pull. Right, right. You're taking pull. that clay out the sky. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. the thing that – before we go to break, the one, the one guy that really kind of worries me is that Cortland Sutton. That guy is big. I mean, again, 6'4", 216. Last night, we were watching, um, who was it, Derek Metcalf. Uh, 
you know, on, yeah. on what, Seattle? Is that the guy? Oh, yeah. With the yeah. green oh, hair? Yeah. DK Metcalf. Yeah, DK Metcalf. Yeah, D- yep. okay. All right. You watch that guy, and you, you see his power and his speed. And, he, you know, it reminds me, Cortland Sutton is very much along those lines. His ability to, you know, if you think you're going to, you know, play him back and, and guard against the go ball like you talk about, he can break out of uh, off a route and just stop on a dime into an outcut. I mean, he's pretty. I think he's pretty, uh, pretty excellent. Yeah, I, I think that's why he's leading your team in, in receiving, right? Is because he's a guy that you know you can trust, and he's averaging, I think, what fourteen point three a catch. Yeah. So when yep. you're getting that, that means that you have a very physical guy, and he has the makeup speed to burn away. Um, you know, from your guys, if you try and jump or get nosy, you must play him true and keep everything in front of you because he can burn you on the backs. And that's what Denver's had over the years, right? When you look at this team, how long right. did they have Demarius Thomas, who was built in that same type of mold, right? They Good know point. they they know they want bigger, tight end type bodies that play receiver and can move. And that's what they went after, and that's what you see the stack. When you go through the list, you say 6'5", 6'4", 6'4", 6'4", 6'3", 6'4". Like, you know, the the day of having that short receiver in Denver is just – they know what they like now. John Elway knows what he likes to see, and he gives his quarterbacks those tall targets that paste and plaster themselves around the field like towers. It's like, oh, I can see him. Throw it to him or throw it up in the air. Let him go get it. <laughs> So that's what you have to be mindful of if you're the Steelers' defense. You can't get overly aggressive in the blitz game just because you do have those big, tall targets that are on the backside. Yeah, that's for sure. All right, we're going to come back to wrap up the show after this. It's more of Wolf Starts and the Ninjas in the locker room, ESPN Pittsburgh, and Steelers Nation Radio. In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. All right, it's time to wrap it up in the locker room with our final segment here. You're with Wolf and Starks and the Ninjas. And indeed, I got to tell you something, Max. I think there's a growing pandemic going on. All right, I mean, you want (laughs) to talk about pandemics. It's a growing pandemic. Snikes, Batman. I mean, you got T.J. Watt. You got Alex Highsmith. How about Cam Sutton? They all had the, uh, shall we say, groin issues. But now you got to add James Washington to the injury list with what we used to call back in the day when you got a groin, we called it a groan because that's what you did when you pulled your groin or had a groin issue. But I know this. All I need to know is, is there a vax shot for a groin pandemic? Because if there is, I don't want one. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. And imagine where you had to get that shot, right? You probably take oh, it straight that, in the groin. That's exactly yeah, no. it. No, that that too too many nerves, too many too many sensitive areas there. Nope, nope, nope. I'm good. 
no, yeah, no, I'll, no. I'll, I'll just no, walk with the dead you. leg. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just drag my leg behind me. Don't worry about it. No, no, it's good. You'll it's have good. to ask my brother in down in Phoenix sometime about the time he got a shot there. I mean, oh, Dude, that, oh, that's painful. Even, oh. Just painful. Like I'm rubbing my leg now because of that. Like just the yeah, thought just of a needle going in it. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. But I, I think so. that, that, but that's been the ongoing soft tissue injury. That's been the the uh, the soup du jour of injuries for the Steelers has been you know, with the groin. So, you know, it, it, it sucks, you know, to see that because you have so many guys that have, have fell victim to that groin that, you know, because Cam Sutton is dealing with that right now, right? Exactly. Now the fourth receiver to deal with this on this team. Um, but, you know, but it was good to see, right, that you had Chase Claypool that was practicing limited. You had Juju practicing full. Um, and you're like, Okay, guys. I mean, we need to get we need to get this under control. Cam, it was good to see. Cam was a full participant dealing with the neck. Yes, yeah. Um, as well, they said he said that a while. I think. Okay, <laughs> so it's been an ongoing issue. Um, yeah, with, uh, with 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 dealing with that, which is something I know all too well. You know, I dealt with stingers. Mm. I, I eventually, yeah, you know, I had I had a hit that took me out. Um, you know, for the season, and I had to get neck surgery. But, you know, it's Oof. something you want to always make sure that you're keeping an eye on. You're using the right protection because, you know, there's so many different collars now you can wear to help prevent that movement, whether it's, the, you know, the Brian Cox backboard. Jackson, yeah. Yeah, yep. you know, or you, get the, or you get the Larry Allen, like the bull, the bull collar, which, like, attaches to the pads and looks like this humongous yoke around your neck. Uh, you know, right. so there's so many different things. The dolphin collars, which are those, those smaller ones that kind of fan out. Um, for the team. So, I <laughs> yeah. mean, there's so many different ways to protect the neck now um, that you hope that, you know, if, the, if there's something there you need. You know, I wore a collar my whole career. Um, right. Uh, just because I knew I had a longer neck. You know, I, 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 had, I had that goose neck. So I was like, okay, I need to put something here to protect because that's a lot of movement with my <laughs> bobblehead. Uh, so I wore a collar my whole career um, just, to keep, just to keep my neck as protected as possible. Um, in my career. So, yeah, it, it's going to be something we want to keep continue to monitor. But, <laughs> I mean, looking over on the other side, though, you know, the hamstring for uh, for Okuebenum, the other tight end. Oh, you know, there you go. You nailed practicing, it. Yeah, not him Him not practicing on Thursday, I think, you know, kind of limits what, what they can do uh, because that's another six foot five guy that you're taking out of the rotation. But you see a lot of guys with limiteds. Um, Dalton Reisner. One of their guards, uh, Glasgow, their other guard. Like these guys are limited knees and ankles. You know those are those are the hinges that get you moving left and right. Um, Sertain I, I, with the chest, I'm not as I'm not as worried about. Um, you know Melvin Gordon lower leg limited. I'm like, I, I watched him run. There there was nothing that limited him uh, in the game on right. Sunday. So I think right. it's more precautionary because of his age um, as a team. And then uh, Deontay Spencer. You know, another one of their wide receivers limited with the chest. I'm like, you know, those are things I think you can manage um, if you're on the Denver side. Nothing there. But, yeah, it does. It do, you know, the worrisome things I think for us is going to be James Washington and, of course, Cam Sutton uh, being out with that groin and kind of exiting the game against Green Bay. Um, you know, it was one of those where you saw it and he just, boom, went straight to the tent came back out, boom, ice on the groin. It's like, okay, yeah, th this is probably a guy we're going to have to go without, and now you're going to have to do that 
Trey Norwood, Arthur Millette, uh, <coughs> you know, Pierre Lane kind of four-man weave to figure out how you're going to handle your nickels to corner and, and some of your, your safety ad situations um, as a team. So that, that's going to be the one to keep an eye on. You know, it almost looks more like you've got to play zone because with some of these guys and with who's could be available, just putting everybody in man could be problematic. It would be a situation. I mean, obviously, you can't play any one form of a coverage, uh, you know, to the exclusion of another. You got to do different things. You're going to have to press. You're going to have to play man. You're going to have to do the matchup zones, whatever you have to do. But um, probably, I'm thinking, you get a guy like Drew Locke. One of the things that I think could be very beneficial is there's a little more fire zone. You know, creating some of the blitzes that you know they were they blitzed a lot last year. You know, this year you, you we haven't had the opportunity that much to do it. You've had, you know, situations where you've got the four-man rush and you've been pre- predominant with that four-man rush. But, you know, it, would, it might be time to go into the grab bag here and, and come out with some more blitzes. Yeah, or, or, or fire up the old blitzes, right? Dust it off. <laughs> yeah. You know, take yeah. the book. <sighs> All right, Dick LeBeau <laughs> ethos. All right. Right. In case of emergency, crack open. Um, because yeah, I think, I think when you do have someone like a drew lock fire zone, zone pressure, you know, confuses, it throws the smoke, the smoke and mirrors at him. And now he's like, Oh my God, they're pressuring from this side. Okay. I got to go this way. And it's like, Nope, gotcha. Um, and hopefully create more turnover opportunities. Cause we're, we're close on the turnovers. Here's the other thing. Yes. We only have one with Terrell Edmonds. Right. But right. When you look at how close we've been on like four or five of them, Minka's been close on two of them. You know, Mel Ingram's been close on one. Um, right. I think it was what Joe Hayden almost had one as well. So I mean, right. we're just right there. It's just a little tick more, and then you know this turnover ratio could be completely flipped on its head. So I think if you continue to keep dialing it up to to pick and choose your battles. You know the guys on the back end, they're 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 ready for it. They're ready for it. They they they've been getting around it, right? Fingertips and palms have have gotten around the ball, so they're going to eventually come away with those. And Drew Locke would be a good guy to pressure because he's one that is willing to give the the pill up. Well, you know, you think about it. Last year, um, one and you talk about Dick LeBeau ethos. One of his mandates was, you know, the appearance of pressure is just as important as the pressure itself. Because you know he would love those those double a gap or the twists or you know the, you know the linebackers would run from the you know dogging from the linebacker spot. Uh, we used to call it a fire X. Um, those sorts of things, Coach LeBeau was just maniacal with, and that would certainly be something I would rather see against a Drew Lock than somebody somebody like Steady Teddy, quote unquote. You know, a guy who's got been around the league more, has seen a lot more, is one of those guys again that really has an ability to make the safe throw versus putting the ball into some sort of danger. Um, he, I think Drew Locke, and, and think about it, Drew Locke coming back to Pittsburgh, Bud Dupree dropped the bomb on him last week or last year and knocked him out of the game. So um, it, to me, it would, it's an opportunity. Uh, if he comes back, it would be, let's just say, it's like, would you rather see a guy at 72% completion percentage or 57? Simple mathematics. Yeah, and, and to even throw, you know, here's to throw the doubt. If you're throwing a guy who just recently got concussed into a game, how much do you care about him, and how much is he going to be thinking about that secondary impact syndrome, right? Absolutely. 
it's a lot easier <coughs> to get to to get a second concussion in that game and how long does that knock you out long term so you know erring on the side of caution would be prudent um let drew lock come in here and and try and do what he can do but hopefully it's not a successful day like it was last year no question about it um i you know you think about that and, and one of the things you look at is this is only game five you know i mean that's a long season ahead and if you're Vic Fangio, I don't think you, you – and, of course, this all goes concurrently with the medical staff, and they have to approve and do all the stuff that yeah. uh, never happened back in our day. Uh, <laughs> you know, he just, no, I'm fine. Okay, good. You're good. He said he's fine. Yeah. Put him in. You know, but yeah, the fact exactly. is, when you come out this weekend, this this game, uh, how big is a fast start? I'm telling you, you need a fast start. And we don't have time to go into it, but the third quarter, yeah. too. We've got to get some mojo rolling in the second half. You must win. You must win the opening drives of each half. That that that's just that's just it. We're at that point now where you have to, and the crowd. You know, the crowd not only demands it, but it fuels them when you can do those type of things. And we need Hinesfield rocking on Sunday. Oh, we do need Hinesfield rocking on Sunday, because you got to get after. You got to make a lot of noise, because you got to create an atmosphere of frenziness. You know, and then you got to quiet it down while Ben gets his action going. You know, hopefully, and I'm hoping that, you know, maybe a little up-tempo offense might be in the works. Don't know it, have no idea. But certainly that, to me, uh, you know, that would be a big way to start the game if you if you win the toss and come out and get the ball. Yeah, listen, dreams are built on that hope. <laughs> okay? Absolutely. Rebellions are no also doubt. built on that hope. Don't forget that, Jim. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, you're good. All right, my friend. Well, all we can say, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you guys coming in the locker room for Max Starks. I'm Craig Wolfley. For the Ninjas, we're both Max and Wolf, and you are, have been in the locker room, ESPN Pittsburgh, Steelers Nation Radio, and go Steelers! Yeah.